I always enjoy, that's our generic bumper, I always enjoy that, especially the baptism, her coming out. That little girl always smiles, but I always think that's so cool. You know, we had 13 baptisms last week in our four services, and, you know, and when that happens, and I think about these things, and I think how, I love being a pastor of this church because our, we see so many lives change, and it's an amazing thing, and it's such a blessing. It's, a, it's an amazing thing when you think about it. Uh, if you're a guest, my name's David, I'm the pastor of the church. We're so glad that you're here to be a part of all that we do. Today's July 2nd. You may not realize this, but this really is kind of Independence Day because it was July 2nd, 1776, that the Continental Congress declared independence from Great Britain, or England, I should say, at the time, I guess. And, uh, you know, John Adams thought this would be the day that we celebrate, signed the Declaration on July 4th. It's great to live in America. It's great to be free. I know there's all sorts of things going on, but hey, man, there's never been a country, never been a time when anyone's been freer. So it's just cool that we get to worship and all those great things that happen in our lives today. We're in a series entitled, It Begins, and the series began the 1st of uh, June. It's going to go through the end of July, and we're looking at the first two chapters of the book of Acts. And what we're seeing is the beginning of the Christian movement. And so far, we have seen, you know, that this how it all began and how the Holy Spirit came. And the thing that I'm trying to get through throughout this series is so important is that this, no story matters more than the story of Jesus. I'm going to say that all the time. No story matters than the story, more than the story of Jesus. The most important story it is because it's the story that changes the lives of people. And that's, and that's what's critical. That's what matters. And, you know, the Holy Spirit came. They were full of the power, the presence of the Holy Spirit. It seemed a little chaotic. Peter gets up to start preaching. And for the next few weeks, we're just going to look at the Sermon of Peter. And we're going to be today in Acts chapter 2, verses 14 through 21. And uh, as, we, as we look in this passage, here's the thing that I want you to get from the message today. And it's really simple. It's this, that the story of Jesus is the story of all of Scripture, the old and the new. The story of Jesus is the story of all of Scripture, the old and the new. It all points to Jesus. It is ultimately the story of salvation. The story of Jesus is the story of salvation, and that's really what matters. And so we're going to look at three things today. And as I begin the message today, I want to talk to you about the fact that everything points to Jesus. I think it's important that we realize and that, that we have the viewpoint and understanding that everything in the Bible, not just the New Testament, even the Old, everything ultimately points to Jesus. Now, what we're going to see with Peter today is the first sharing of the story of Jesus after Jesus left. You know, Jesus leaves, you know, not coming back, obviously, for at least 2,000 years, you know. And uh, we see the first time that one of the guys, the apostles, share the story of Jesus. Now, you know, as the, as the Holy Spirit came and they had the power and the presence of the Spirit, those 120 believers began to just, you know, preach and speak in these languages that they didn't normally speak. They were known languages. They spilled out into the streets sharing the gospel. Thousands of people were hearing. It was the time of Pentecost, like I shared with you. They were heading to the temple. We know there were thousands because later on, about 3,000 people are going to be saved. So, I mean, there's just a massive number of people, and there's some confusion. So, Peter's going to begin to preach. Now, he's going to start the message, and this is where we're going to be today, quoting from the prophet Joel. Joel is uh, one of the minor prophets found in the Old Testament. <clears throat> we don't know for sure when Joel lived. There's a lot, uh, probably of all the guys, the prophet, prophetic books, it's probably the one we have the least amount of idea when. The date ranges any time from the 8th century B.C. down to the post-exilic or after the exile, the three or 400s B.C. Maybe the best time's around 600 or so. It really doesn't matter. Joel wrote after a plague of locusts had devastated the people of Israel. It just devastated the land. And in that devastation, in it, Joel saw both 
the judgment of God for their sin, and at the same time, the chance for restoration through repentance. It's an important event. And then Joel began to speak about a time that was coming that he would call the day of the Lord, the time of the Lord, the, the, the end times. But Joel began to speak about something that was coming, and then when it came, it would be a time of both judgment from God and also, through repentance, a time to be restored. And so Joel looked down to the future. Now, he didn't know when that future was going to come. The most significant is when those guys wrote back then, and they would oftentimes write about when God was going to come and do something. Now, they didn't have an understanding of Jesus. A lot of them didn't even fully have a concept at all of Messiah. In fact, a lot of times what they would write about is after David had been there, was someone coming from David, you know, the root of Jesse, which is the son, you know, David, or the Lion of Judah. Somebody from the, the family of David, one of David's descendants would come and reign forever and reestablish whatever God's kingdom, and the pouring of the Spirit would be there. After the time the Old Testament was written, before the New Testament, up until the time of the New Testament, they began to understand this person as the Messiah. And they saw the Messiah as one who was going to come and reestablish forever God's people, God's kingdom. And this is how they looked at things. And one of the signs Joel said that that's going to happen is the Holy Spirit's going to come, or the Spirit of God's going to come. And so you have Peter picking up on that. This is important. Now, once you get that background, as Peter makes reference to all of this. Verse 14, Peter says, But Peter, taking his stand with the eleven, and Peter stood up because he got to speak loud, raised his voice to declare to them so everybody could hear, men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem. He refers to them, the people of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem. It's a generic term. We know that people came from all over. We know that. People came from all over the place to come there. It's just like here. If I was to start preaching, I'd say, hey, you folks from Las Cruces in southern New Mexico, a lot of you don't come from here. I don't come from here. I come from Texas. Now, someone says, you, we point out every week that you come from Texas. I said, I know I do that. It's intentional. I want guests to know that I'm from Texas. I don't want them to accidentally think I might come from a place like California and never want to come back. I mean, I want to be clear. And the problem with coming from Texas, and I come from, no offense to you California folks, and the problem with coming from Texas is we want to tell about people. I mean, there's an old saying, don't ask a person if they're from Texas. If they are, they'll tell you. And if they're not, you don't want to embarrass them. So just don't ask them. And so you Texans folks know how that's like. So, yeah, I'm from South Texas. I make no bones about it. I inserted that into the scripture because I thought it was important. So <laughs> let this be known to you and give heed to my words. So pay attention to what I'm saying. For these men are not drunk as you suppose, for it's only the third hour of the day. Remember last week we left off with them thinking, oh, maybe, maybe these guys are drunk. And some, some interpreters think this is kind of, a, a, kind of a bit of humor. Like it's only 9 a.m. They're not drunk yet. But obviously they never met my late uncle because that could be possible uh, to happen. And so in verse 16, then he continues on with this. But this is what was spoken of through the prophet Joel. So he's going to recite what Joel said. He's going to reference the prophet Joel. And he's going to reference this passage. It's found in Joel chapter 2, verses 28 through 32, though they didn't write back then, you know, in chapters. And actually, what's interesting, Peter's going to quote from what we call the Septuagint. The Septuagint was the Greek version of the Old Testament. It was written shortly before Christ came on the scene. But uh, it, what happened is uh, some Hebrew scholars realized that most people spoke Greek. So they translated the Hebrew into Greek. In the New Testament, oftentimes when they wrote, they would quote from this, they would write, quote from the Septuagint from Greek to Greek. But even like here when they preached, he's pro, uh, probably preached in Hebrew or Aramaic, he would take that Greek version, spin it back into to Hebrew when he preached. So it's, it's going to be a little bit different. So what he says here, if you go back to that, those verses in Joel may be a little bit different. But here's the thing, Peter is saying all that you see in Joel about the coming of the Spirit is fulfilled here. And he's going to explain that. And in fact, 
what these guys did, this is what's amazing, when you realize that they constantly in the New Testament, and especially in the book of Acts, keep quoting from the Old Testament, or from their scriptures. They didn't call it the Old Testament, just scriptures. Because they understood something, and this is important to get this, to understand, to have a correct view of the whole Bible, you need to get this, that the apostles, under the influence of the Holy Spirit, saw their scripture, that is the Old Testament, as pointing and progressing to Jesus. He fulfilled it completely. They saw that the Old Testament pointed to Jesus, that it was progressing to Jesus. You hear me say sometimes, the Old Testament is a book of promise, the New Testament is a book of fulfillment. That's what they thought. That's how they viewed it. Just read the New Testament. It's clear they viewed it that way. So what you have here then is that everything points to Jesus. That's how they view it. With that being said, the second thing I want to share with you is that this is that. And what I mean is that Peter is saying this, the coming of Holy, the Holy Spirit, fulfills that, the book of Joel. That that book of Joel is fulfilled by this event. It's important. Now, before I go into these verses, he's going to mention something called, you know, the last days and then the day of the Lord, which he uses interchangeably. Picture for a moment on this stage that over here on my right, stage right, at the beginning of the stage is the beginning of you know, Jewish history with Abraham. And over here on my left, stage left at the end is the second coming of Christ. And right here in the middle is Jesus, the first coming of Jesus. We live somewhere over here. We know that. We live between the first and second coming of Jesus. We don't know where in that continuum. Maybe we're as close to the end. end. Maybe we still got another 2,000 years. Who knows? But over here, on this side of Jesus, before he ever came, they didn't think about the first and second coming. They didn't even think about Jesus. Some of them had no concept of Messiah. They just saw a period of time when, when God was coming, a period of time when he would when, you know, he'd pour out his spirit. So they looked, and when they wrote or they prophesied or spoke about that coming time, they were just looking at one event. They didn't think of two. They thought of one, and they didn't even grasp it. It's not until after Jesus comes that we begin to realize that the coming of Jesus takes two events, really, a, first, a beginning and an end. It's over a phase of time. So when they speak about the last days, or when they speak about the day of the Lord, they're not thinking about the second coming way down there. That doesn't enter their mind. All they see is this. So we need to understand, we who live over here, when we go back to the Old Testament stuff, quit trying to make that stuff over there fit to the second coming because they didn't understand it that way. They didn't see it that way. They all understood it as referring to this, the coming. They didn't have a concept that it would be over a period of time. So we live in the last days right now. So I hear people say, when do you think the last days are coming? Well, they came with Jesus. That's what the New Testament teaches. This is the day of the Lord came when Jesus came. You need to understand that to get this passage. All right, verse 17. Here it is. And that shall be in the last days. He actually, in, in Joel wrote after this, Peter understood it as the last days. So Peter kind of puts his own spin on a little bit. God says, I will pour forth my spirit like what happened on all mankind. So all mankind, not just the Jews. Not just the Jews received it. But it was a prelude to what was to come. We talked about Acts 1-8 the other day when he says, you'll be, the Holy Spirit will come, you'll have power, you'll be my witnesses. He'll start off in Jerusalem, then Judea, G uh, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. They're going to go to the end of the earth, but right now it started in Jerusalem. So in that period. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. So men and women will prophesy. Prophesy is not to speak the future, it's to speak the mind of God. That's what the word of the prophecy means. 
especially in the New Testament, they're going to speak the mind of God. Now, this is fascinating. He says both men and women will do it. At Pentecost, both men and women spoke forth the mind of God, which has to be unsettling for some of us Southern Baptists who believe that women are not allowed to speak the prophetic word. And I don't know how they justify that, but we'll let them worry about that. And I don't want to say too much because I don't want to get kicked out of the Southern Baptist Convention. <laughs> this evidently is a thing these days. I probably shouldn't have mentioned that. Uh, that doesn't matter. We're an autonomous church. They can't tell us what to do or what to say. That's why I love being Baptist. <laughs> I could still be, but to be a two-year-old, you can't tell me what to do. And your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams, which means visions and dreams prophecy the same thing. So all this is going to happen when the Holy Spirit comes. When the Spirit of God comes, all this is going to happen. And guess what? All that just happened. Verse 18. Even on my bond slaves, both men and women, I will in those days pour forth my spirit and they shall prophesy. I mean, people are just going to be sharing the mind of God. What happened when the Holy Spirit came? They spilled out in the streets doing what? Speaking the mind of God, sharing the gospel. It, it, it happened. He's not through there. No, no, we got more. Verse 19. And I will create wonders in the sky above. Wow. And signs on the earth below. And blood and fire and vapor of smoke. All these signs are going to come. Verse 20. The sun will be turned into darkness and the moon into blood. Before, get this, the great and glorious day of the Lord shall come. The great and glorious day, the coming of Jesus. Now, Peter saw all of this is happening with Jesus. Let me say, but what about all those wonders and all those signs and all those miracles? Well, for one thing, Jesus did a lot of miracles. You realize he did, he did so many you wouldn't even know. And if you read, especially in Matthew, at the death of Jesus, you know what happened? The sun was darkened. There was an earthquake. <laughs> and in that earthquake, some of the tombs, people rose up out of the tombs. You know, I don't, we don't ever talk about that much. I don't ever preach on that much because, frankly, I, I, I don't want to have to get into it with you and try to explain all that because I haven't really figured all that out yet. I just believe it as being true, so I'll leave it at that. All these miraculous wonders occurred. And Peter is basically saying that all points to Jesus. Now, did every one of them occur exactly like it looks, you know, literally that way? Well, it, evidently, I don't know. It doesn't matter because Peter seemed to care. Some people think with these signs and wonders are still going to refer to that end times of Jesus. But remember what I told you. Over here, they didn't think of that time way over there. They just thought of that right there. And Peter is saying to all of them right here, when Jesus came and the Holy Spirit was poured out, all that stuff in Joel came to be. Now, in case you're wondering about that, I'm going to read to you a quote in just a moment. It's always important that you understand who influences me. Because I influence you. And at least I try to. So who influences me is important. So the people that influence me matters. And, you know, in my generation of preachers, you know, most of you guys in the, you know, 30s, guys, my generation of preachers, you know, up through whenever, um, we were heavily influenced by a guy named John Stott. There were multiple guys. That, actually, a lot of these guys came from the Church of England. It was, a, it was an amazing thing. Very evangelical, very conservative. Stott was, and I've quoted from him before, was born in 1921, died in 2011. And Stott uh, was, uh, for a long time, the pastor, the rector. You know, when you're Anglican, they have all these fancy titles over at All Souls, all, all Souls Church in England. And uh, he was a prolific scholar. I mean, brilliant scholar. People quote him all over, respect him. He was an amazing pastor who loved and cared for people. And the great thing about Stott, in 2005, Time Magazine said Stott was one of the 100 most influential people in the world. Not in Christianity. But back then, what, 7 billion people back, 7 billion people back then, take the 100 most influential, he was one of them. 
thought influenced my generation of preachers, or what is oftentimes referred to as the golden age of preaching, that generation. <laughs> Concerning this passage, here's what John said. It is the unanimous conviction of the New Testament authors that Jesus inaugurated the last days or messianic age, and that the final proof of this was the outpouring of the spirits, since this was the Old Testament promise of promises for the end time. This being so, we must be careful not to requote Joel's prophecy as if we are still awaiting its fulfillment, or even as if its fulfillment has been only partial, partial, and we await some future and complete fulfillment. For this is not how Peter understood and applied the text. The whole messianic era, which stretches between the two comings of Christ, is the age of the spirit in which his ministry is one of abundance. Thought is saying in Peter's mind, the Holy Spirit completely and finally fulfilled all that Joel said. Does that matter? Yes. Because the New Testament guys who wrote all of those books that shapes and forms Christianity believe we are living right now in the time of the Spirit, the end, the day of the Lord, a time of both judgment and restoration. It is a time of salvation. It matters. Peter is saying this is that. This coming of the Holy Spirit takes care of that. And there's one more verse to come, and it is so cool. Which brings me to the third thing I want to share with you today, the story of salvation. Paul, in Romans, gets quoted all the time when people are trying to lead people to Jesus. Romans 10, 9 and 10, he says, If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For with your heart, I've seen with your mouth you confess and are justified, and with your heart you believe and are saved. In a few verses later, Paul says this, all who call upon the name of the Lord may be saved. And we believe that. We believe that anyone can be saved. Where does Paul get that from? Same place, Peter, from Joel. Look what Peter does. Here's how he ends, how he ends this part. And it shall be that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It shall be, absolutely. That anyone and everyone who calls, who asks, it's a broad term. He's not narrowing it down, limited. Who calls on the name, the character of the Lord. The Lord, to, to Joel, the Lord was Yahweh, God. But to Peter, to Paul, the Lord is Jesus. They will be saved. The word saved, the future passive, speaks of something definitive that will happen to you. The word saved means to be rescued from imminent danger. Oftentimes can be used of someone who has been healed. And occasionally it's used that way in the New Testament. But primarily it's used in reference to Jesus and God of spiritual salvation. You are lost you are living in rebellion against God because of your sin. You're a rebel against God, and you are now saved. Anyone can be saved. I mean, anyone can be. Every person you know and every person you love and every person you care about can be saved. You may have friends who have said no to Jesus all their life. Do you realize they can still be saved? As long as you draw breath, man, as long as you are breathing, you can be saved. If you call on the name of the Lord, understand this, everything comes down to Jesus. That is why his story, the gospel, matters. Everything always comes down to Jesus. I believe that with all my heart. Everything boils down to Jesus. In the end, when we face God, all that's going to matter, ultimately, is we trust Jesus. Everything comes down to Jesus. That's why his story, the gospel story, matters so much. 
And here's the cool thing. We can trust Jesus and we can share Jesus because of the working of the Holy Spirit. It's not on us. I can trust Jesus because the Holy Spirit is in my life, working in my life to get me to that point. I can then share Jesus, not because of my own power, not because there's something about me, because the Holy Spirit is working. I have the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in my life. This is what it's taught in Acts. I had the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in my life so that I can share Jesus with other people. It's an amazing thing, and that's what we care about here. Listen, so, I mean, our church, First Baptist, it's real simple. We want to bring glory to God in everything, and the primary way we do that is to get people to Jesus. And sometimes we'll say as fast as we can, because Jesus will change their life. That's what we do. And that's our vision, that's our mission. That's, that's why so many of you are here. A lot of you are here because of that very thing. This is called our passion. It's what my passion is as a pastor. We deal with a lot of guys who are planting churches. I think we deal with right now nine church planters, Joe, all over, all over the place. Joe's saying, yeah, whatever, never pass. He's not going to say no after last week. He disagreed with me. He, you weren't here. Some of you corrected me last week uh, in, in a sermon, so that won't happen again. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Joe, we, just, we have a good time and do all that stuff. It's cool. And... Um, and so, and one of the things that I always say to these guys, whatever your vision is, whatever your passion, don't let anybody hijack that. You're going to get some really cool Christians coming along that have really good ideas and you want to be a part. And they're going to want to change or tweak things. Don't let them do it. And not only do I say that afterwards, Joe says it to him all the time. I think you saw me say it this week to a couple of them you were talking to on the phone. And, um, and I've had several of those guys who, who are doing great say to me, you know, early on we had this cool couple come and they had different ideas than us and they were really pressing it. And I finally had to say, maybe this isn't for you. Maybe you need to leave. And they did. And it was painful. But we were so much better off without them. We live that here. Nobody hijacks our mission and our vision. No one's going to keep us from doing that. And we, listen, we don't do a lot of things here. We, we don't have a lot of things that we do. And I know a lot of you come from places or you have some, some ministries you love. There are so many fantastic ministries in Christianity. So many fantastic things to do. We just don't do them. We can't. We have limited time and limited resources. So sometimes you'll come up to us. Some of y'all come up to us and say, hey, why don't you do this? Or why don't you start this? Or I think this is great. And we'll tell you, fantastic. Go do it. If that's where your heart is, go do it. We're not going to do it. Don't get upset with us because we don't start it. Because we can't. We're just not going to. We're not, we're not going to let where we're going be changed. I don't care how good the ministry is. We turn down things all the time. We, uh, Thursday, we had our staff planning. We're planning 2024, man. And we're talking about all this again. And we, we're turning down. Those guys, are, don't ever get to me. They just turn things down all the time. No, we can't do that. We're not going to do that. Don't, don't take it personal. It's not that that's not important. It's just not what we do. Our passion is to help people come to Christ. And I know we're entering, we're entering that time now after the 4th of July for the next 16 months elections. I get it. I mean, elections don't matter. They're important. If, 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 if this election matters to you, go get involved, man. And y'all need to vote. Being from South Texas, we vote early. We vote often, man. If you can vote three or four times, do it. <laughs> Praise God, man. But understand, we're not going to get involved in elections. I'm not going to endorse anybody. Don't ask. Just don't ask. We're not going to pass out your election voting record card so that you can get your candidate and you can change all the questions to get everything just the way you want. We're not passing them out. We're not doing any of that. Don't be, if that matters to you, fantastic. Do it, but not here. And don't get upset with us. It's not that things don't matter. Things matter. Are there moral issues that matter? Yes. Back in May, and I preached on the family. Did I not preach about what marriage is? Yeah. In October, I'm preaching about what it means to be human. I'm going to deal on humanity and the value of human life and male and female and what all that means. Those are moral issues, but I'm not going to endorse a politician. Don't ask. 
Because the answer is no, 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 every time. We have people who come here from all walks of life, from every political spectrum, from every social spectrum and cultural spectrum. spectrum. And here's what I know. Here's what I as a pastor know, that the Holy Spirit of God brings them here to hear about Jesus, not to hear my views on politics. They come to hear about Jesus. You know what some of you do in your life? You're so concerned about what happens in the world and social and uh, in the culture, and I get it, it's important. But you'll fight and you'll argue and you'll alienate people in your life to try to prove and win a point. And you'll take people who don't know Jesus, and you know Jesus, you know Jesus. And you'll take people who don't know Jesus and you'll alienate them to win a political argument or a cultural argument. Why are you doing that? What's it worth to you? Why? What are you going to do? Look yourself in the mirror and give you two thumbs up? Yeah, you won. No, you lost. You lost. Because you ruined a relationship. And relationships matter. When are you going to understand people matter? People need Jesus. And you got Jesus. Share Jesus. Let me, let me tell you something. You realize God whipped Pharaoh when he was ready? He whipped him. When he was ready, he took care of him. You realize that the Romans tried to destroy Christianity, starting with Nero, for 250 years. They did that. And one day, the Emperor Constantine says, we give up. <laughs> the, the Roman Empire is now Christian. I, you may not know this, but God is undefeated. He'll take care of it. I'm not saying it's not important. I get it. God take care of it. But you know what matters to us at this church? We want people to come to Jesus, and here's why. God always intended salvation to be available for everyone. Why do I want to eliminate someone from that? For some silly reason that doesn't matter. He wants salvation for everyone. Listen, not everyone, we're not universalists. Not everyone's getting saved. Not everyone's getting to heaven. No, 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 no. And there's not a bunch of different ways to heaven. There's not like, ah, oh, four or five different roads. No, no, there's just one. The only way to God is God's way, and God's way is Jesus. And I know Jesus. And here in the book of Acts, you know what they did? They just shared Jesus. You know what a problem came up in Acts chapter 6? Some of the widows weren't getting fed enough. You know what Peter and the guy said? They said, look, it's not my problem, man. I'm not going to waste my time. I'm just paraphrasing in the rough, rough way. I'm not going to waste my time feeding them. Does it matter? Yeah, we know you need food. So they picked seven guys full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. And they were not deacons, so don't think. They were seven guys. You take care of it so we can focus on, what was that again? Oh, yeah, the word of God and prayer. We can focus on sharing Jesus with people and preparing for it. Because that's what mattered. And here you have, at the very beginning of the Christian movement, sharing the gospel of Jesus. And Peter gets up and he says, salvation is for everyone. Ultimately, the Old Testament points to Jesus and the New Testament tells the story of Jesus. In all of this is so we might be saved. Because I don't know if you realize this or not, but there's no other way to get to Jesus unless people share Salvation. It's the only thing. So what matters more than that? I'm not saying other things aren't important. I think that they're important. I get it. I'll never say they're not important. Knock yourself out. I get involved in stuff all the time that has nothing to do with you. They're important to me. Okay. 
I don't bring those things over here. Because here, only one thing matters. Get this straight. Here, one thing matters. The story of Jesus. Who in your life needs to hear the story of Jesus? How many times are you going to alienate people? How many times are you going to cut people off? How many times are you going to push them aside and they're never going to hear from you the story of Jesus? I began the message by saying that the story of Jesus is the story of all of the scripture, the old and the new. It is the story of salvation. There is no other story of salvation. So the question is whether or not it is your story. Is this the story of your life? If it's not, why not? Why isn't the story of Jesus the story of your life? And why haven't you trusted Jesus to be your Savior? And if you have, and the Holy Spirit's working in your life just like he did back then, what did the Holy Spirit have him do? He just had him share Jesus with other people. When are you going to start making it? your story then to share Jesus. More than anything else, when are you going to share the story of Jesus? So we're going to stand here, some of us. And if you've never trusted Christ to be your Savior, and you want to do that, if you want his story to be your story, come talk to us. We'll help you do that. If you want to join our church, you can. Some of you, there are people you want to pray for. There are people in your life that matter. Isn't there? There are people in my life that matter. And I don't care about their political views. And I don't care about their cultural views. I care that they don't know Jesus. I want them to come to know Jesus. And we'll pray with you. We'll help you. Because people need him. So when you walk out this door today, and I don't know what all you need in your life. I barely know what I need in my life. I can barely figure that out, man. But I know this. Make sure you walk out of here today sharing the story of Jesus. If it's your story. So, Father, sometimes I just glance over when the New Testament guys quote the Old Testament and say, I got it, I got it, I got it. And sometimes, though, Father, <laughs> that's just a really dumb thing to do. Here's Peter just taking this unbelievable passage in Joel and said, Today, this is that. And the Holy Spirit came. Everything changed because of Jesus. In the end, it's all that really matters is that Jesus can change the lives of every one of us. And every person we know and care about, Jesus is the way of salvation. Amen. Amen. Would you stand and you come?